0: You are listening to the Grace Covenant Church audio podcast. Don't worry, be happy. We love that song, don't we? Don't worry, be happy. The challenge is... is We have a hard time living it. We love the psalm, but we have a hard time living it. I think we all, to some degree, to some degree, deal with this issue of worry. Matter of fact, let me ask you this question. How many of you recognize this piece of baggage? Come on, folks, we're in the church. If there's any place you want to be honest, it's in the church. Let me ask you again. How many of you identify this piece of baggage? A little worry isn't it amazing how the issue of worry this um internal emotional struggle we have that happens in our brain i'll talk more about that in just a minute isn't it interesting how worry can kind of find its way into our minds yeah interesting just friday um, i think most of you know i i love the outdoors i really enjoy just uh, all of god's creation and so Friday morning I was out turkey hunting, which I is like one of my favorites, and uh, I'm out turkey hunting, s- supposedly supposed to be enjoying this outdoor adventure, and while I'm out turkey hunting, I'm worrying about the sermon I'm going to be doing on worry. <laughs> Interesting. And I, was, I just actually I chuckled as I thought about that. And here I'm worrying about a sermon on worry when I should when I'm doing something that I really enjoy, but I really can't focus on what I really enjoy because of of this issue of worry. And so it's interesting how worry kind of has a way of sneaking its way into our lives. There's a story of a woman who was worrying herself sick because she was convinced that she had an incurable liver condition. Finally, she she went to the doctor to find out about this incurable liver condition that she knew she had, and after running some tests, the doctor assured her that, that she was all right, everything was going to be fine, and then and went on to tell her, he says, you know, you, you wouldn't even know, like, if you had this condition, because it causes no discomfort, it causes no pain, like, of any kind. And the lady gasped, oh my goodness, those are my symptoms exactly. <laughs> hey, interesting how we can generate worry in our lives, or we come to situations that are, are real, um, not phony, real life situations that we're processing through and and it can generate, it can produce this worry in our lives that robs us of joy and, and drains us of energy. I think that's really the issue of worry, robs us of joy, drains us of energy, weights us down. And, you know, the biggest problem with worry is this, it does us absolutely no good. But you agree with that? It does us absolutely no good. Worry has never brightened a day. Worry has never solved a problem. Worry has never cured his disease. Actually, it does the opposite. It can darken our days. It can maximize a problem. It can create health situations. In our lives, I came across a, a study as I was preparing for this message. I came across a study, a survey that had been done concerning this issue of worry, and this is what they discovered in their study. First is this they said 40% of the things you worry about will never happen. 40% went on to say 30% of the things we worry about are issues of the past that we absolutely cannot change. I mean, it's like history. Twelve percent of our worry is—it's a needless worry about uh, about health issues, just things that we trouble ourselves with. So ten percent is petty miscellaneous worries. Only eight percent of your worries are worth concerning yourself about. That means that only ninety-two—that means that that ninety-two percent of the things you worry about are actually i mean it's no need to worry they they won't happen in your life yet we give a lot of energy emotional energy to those to that 92 percent you know it's been said that worry is like a rocking chair it will give you something to do but it never gets you anywhere not true it'll give you something to do but it's not constructive most of the time actually it's it's destructive now, now, I want to clarify this morning, before we talk, get into this issue of worry, I want to clarify this morning that there's a difference between being concerned and being worried. Being concerned and being worried. Being concerned means that there's an issue and I'm taking action about the issue. In other words, I'm doing something to change the situation. I'm, I'm concerned and I'm motivated to action. Uh, being worried about a situation simply means I'm stewing without doing. I'm just fretting. I'm just, I'm, I'm all tense. I'm anxious. I'm all tied up about the issue, but I'm not doing anything about the issue. I'm actually just worried. So there's a difference between being concerned and being worried. Let me see if I can illustrate it with this. Today, I am really concerned for our nation. I'm concerned for the direction of our nation. I'm concerned for some of the decisions our leadership is making in our nation. I'm concerned, and because I'm concerned um it's a matter of prayer pretty much on a daily basis because i'm concerned i've taken time to write some letters because i'm concerned i've I've signed some petitions Uh, the concern has motivated me to a point of action but i'm not i'm not worrying about i i don't stay awake at night you know i'm restless i can't sleep because i all these things are going to happen in our nation, I mean, oh, there's this doom and gloom that's coming. I know it's going to happen. I, I really can't tell you why it's going to happen, but I believe it's going to happen because I've worried myself to that belief. See, you, you see the difference between concern and worry? So then, excuse me? Do you see the difference? If, let me tell I'll give you the illustration again. Do you see the difference? Are you with me this morning? Yes. Thank you. That really helps. I didn't want to worry about that. but there is a difference so we could say being concerned is good i'm concerned about the loss of our community i'm concerned about children in crisis therefore it motivates me to action i'm driven about that issue my heart has been captured i'm concerned so what i'm moving to action I'm not just worrying. So we could say that being concerned is beneficial uh, and helpful, but worry is not. Why is worry not? Simply this worry divides our mind. It's interesting, if you look at the word worry in the, in the Greek language, it's, actually, it's a, actually a compound Greek word. So it's made up of two words. The first part of the word is merizo, which means to divide. The second part of the word is naos, which means mind. So the word worry in the Greek language actually means to divide the mind. So it divides our minds and it, and it puts us in a situation where like, we're, we're agitated, we're anxious, we're stressed. And then un- unwarranted anxiety then splits our energy between today's priorities and tomorrow's problems. I, I like the way Arthur wrote, states, the problem of worry. His statement is there in your notes. He says, Worry is a thin stream of fear trickling through the mind. If encouraged, it cuts a channel. Into which all other thoughts are drained. That's so true. Before we get to our text this morning, let me, just for a moment, I want to talk with you about the challenge of worry. A little extra information I'm going to throw to you. What what is the problem with worry? I I think there's at least four challenges really quick. The first is this. The baggage of worry will erode your faith. It will erode your faith. And worry... When we get placed to worry, worry has a tendency to feed doubt. If you can think of it like this, worry and doubt are like first cousins, closely related. So when you worry, worry has a tendency to feed doubt. And then when we begin to entertain doubt, the challenge becomes is we're not praying effectively we're not living victoriously why because we've given way to doubt and if you back up in the process you'll find oftentimes that doubt was fed by by worry so so the baggage of worry uh will erode your faith i I think a second danger of the baggage of worry is that it feeds fear you know worry often gives a, a small thing a big shadow think about that a small thing a big shadow when we give in to worry, it has this tendency to to feed fear, and now we're living full of fear about what might happen. We don't know if it will happen, but it might happen. and then it's fear that begins to direct our actions. How many of you remember how many of you remember the y two k scare? remember that? Oh my goodness, we were fed all of this propaganda by media. As, wow, we don't know what's going to happen when the year 2000 comes. And the power grid's going to go out. Cell phones won't work. You won't have electricity. It's going to be like really bad. And some of us, I put myself in Did you catch that? Some of us bought into that. And there was worry. And then worry began to feed fear. And because of fear, I don't know what you did, but I went and bought a whole bunch of stuff that's still in my basement today. <laughs> Why? Because the world was going to end. What was it? It was, it, was a, it was a response of fear that was fed by worry. So, so this baggage of worry can feed fear in your life. Also, the baggage of worry will rob you of joy. Really simple, folks. When worry moves in, joy moves out. When worry moves in, joy exits. The baggage of worry will also wreck your health. You know, it's it's been scientifically proven proven that chronic worrying and stress can trigger a host of health problems: tension, headaches, elevated blood pressure. I mean, there's, there's quite a lengthy list of what happens when we consistently, continually, like we're anxious, we're uptight, we're we're worrying. You you can worry yourself. Literally, worry yourself sick. So so what's the solution? Let's look to God's Word. Paul gives us, I believe, some great insight as to how we can offload the baggage of worry. So Philippians chapter 4, beginning with verse 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious, notice, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, Whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about, dwell upon these things. Interesting, let me just give you a little background here. Interesting, the Apostle Paul is actually writing this letter to the believers at Philippi while he's in prison. Think about that. He's incarcerated. Not knowing about tomorrow, not knowing about whether he's going to live or die, not knowing about his future, I mean, you would agree, if you were in Paul's situation, you would probably have reason to worry. Yet, notice what he writes here to the believers at Philippi. I believe the very thing he was living out in his life. He says, rejoice. In case you didn't get it, I'll tell you again, rejoice. In other words, Paul was not allowing the situation he was in, being incarcerated, certainly a situation that could have generated a lot of anxiety, He didn't align with situation to determine his attitude or outlook. Actually, he chose his attitude and outlook in the midst of a really bad situation. This is what he said, I'm going to do. I'm going to rejoice. Hey, Oftentimes we find ourselves in real life situations that we can't change. We didn't choose it. We'd rather not have it. But it is what it is. It is reality where you live We can't change that, but what we can always choose is what? How we respond to it, right? Paul says, I'm going to rejoice. I'm not going to worry. I'm not going to embrace the anxiety. He says, no, rejoice. And that's the charge he gave to the the believers at Philippi. I believe the charge for us today. And in in this short passage of Scripture... I believe that Paul gives us some great insight on on how we can offload the baggage of worry. Four statements, let me give them to you quickly. The first is this, refuse to worry about anything. Turn to your neighbor, look him in the eye, uh, big smile on your face and say, hey, refuse to worry about anything. Go ahead and tell him. Notice again, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. Would you agree with me that always means like all the time? What's Paul saying? He said in every situation, all the time, not just when it's good. I mean, you know, it's easy to rejoice when it's good, right? The challenge is when like it's not good. And Paul says like in all the time, in every situation, in every season, a response should be to rejoice. And if you think about it, if you think about worry, worry really doesn't do us any good. Worry exaggerates the problem. It never shrinks the problem. Worry doesn't like change anything. It's like, again, stewing without doing. Worry is irrational because it only creates more problems. That's why we need to refuse to worry. I I really like Robert Elliott's rules about worrying. Um, He has two rules about worrying. Here they are. He says, Rule number one is don't sweat the small stuff. And rule number two is it's all small stuff. Don't sweat the small stuff, and it's all small stuff. The challenge is, though, oftentimes we make the small stuff big stuff. And it's because of this issue of worry. That's why Paul would say, Refuse to worry about anything. It's interesting. Jesus addressed this issue of worrying in the Sermon on the Mount, in Matthew chapter 6. So if you would hold your place there in Philippians, and turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, I want you to notice here what Jesus says about this thing that we call worrying, that we have a tendency... To do quite often. We have a tendency to pick up this baggage of worry quite often. Notice what Jesus says. There are four statements about worry. First, Jesus says that worry is unreasonable. Unreasonable. Look look at verse 25. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Basically, Jesus is telling us not to worry because it's not going to do us any good. It's like absolutely unreasonable. Why should we expend emotional energy every day doing something that does us no good? So, the first thing Jesus says here in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, worry is don't worry because it's unreasonable. Not only is worry unreasonable, Jesus goes on to say that worry is unnatural. Unnatural. Listen to what he says. Look on in verse 26 and 27. He says, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet their their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than the birds? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Have you ever thought about this? That humans are the only thing that God created that worries. Humans. Humans birds don't worry cows don't worry dogs don't worry cats don't worry they may worry you but they they don't worry (laughs) we are the only thing that God created that worries and worry is, is so unnatural to how we've been created yet We choose to worry. We worry because we learn to worry. I know some of you think you were born with a worry gene, and you were not born with a worry gene. You trained yourself to worry. Listen, there's there's no born worriers. Babies don't worry. But we train ourselves to worry, so worry is unnatural. But here's the challenge. We get pretty good at it. Not only is worry unnatural, notice Jesus goes on to say here that worry is unhelpful unhelpful verse 28 he says and why do you worry about clothes see how the lilies of the field grow they do not blow or spin Listen. worry will not change your present situation actually it only makes it worse worry cannot lengthen your life worry cannot undo the past jesus said like, why are you worrying it's it's like so unhelpful Jesus also goes on to say that worry is unnecessary. Unnecessary. Look at verse 30. He says, if this is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Worry is unnecessary because we have a good, good father. Let me say that again. Worry is unnecessary because we have a good, good father who loves you, who created you, who saved you, who cares for you. Now, I know we all grew up in different home situations, and every home environment was a little different. But let me tell you about the home I grew up in. As a child, I never had to worry, I didn't worry about what I was going to wear. I didn't worry about whether there was going to be food on the table. I never worried about, are the bills going to be paid? Let me tell you why. I had a father who took care of it. I didn't have to worry as a child. I didn't worry. In the same fashion, we have a heavenly father who loves us outrageously, who will care for us. Therefore, therefore Jesus said, worry is unnecessary. Listen, if he takes care of the grass and he takes care of the birds, do you think he's not going to take care of you? The first thing Paul says here is, hey, refuse. Refuse to worry about anything. Here's the second step to offload the baggage of worry. It's this, talk to God about everything. Talk to God about everything. Look back to Philippians 4, 6. Paul wrote, do not be anxious about anything. So in other words, we're not going to worry. But in in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So when situations arise in our lives that could generate worry, Paul is directing us here to take positive action instead of negative action. The negative action is to worry. So I have a situation, I begin to fret and worry, that's the negative action. Paul says, hey, don't take the negative action, take the positive action. What's that? He says, pray. Bring their need, whatever it is. To God, basically, he's saying, "Don't panic, pray. Don't worry, worship." I mean, that's the summary of what Paul's saying here. Listen, if the issue's not worth praying about, then I would submit to you it's not worth worrying about. And I also believe that if we would pray a little bit more, we might have less to worry about because we're bringing the issues to God. So when we choose to pray about the issue. Whatever the issue is, I really believe three things happen. The first is, we're bringing the situation, whatever it is, to a God who has no limits. See, I can, I can offload the baggage of worry. I don't have to worry about it. Why? Because I'm bringing it to a God who, man, He can split seas. He can raise the dead. He can take a little boy's lunch and multiply it to feed 5,000. Why should I worry if I'm, if, I, if I'm giving it to God? So first is, man, we're bringing a situation to a God who has no limits. Here's the second reason that prayer becomes so valuable when we're talking about offloading the baggage of, of worry. Is prayer is like transferring the load. It's transferring the load. Matter of fact, this is what Jesus said, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. He says, come unto me, all you who are weary and laden. We might say weary and worried and He would give us rest. So what's prayer? It's transferring the load. You know, this is one of my secrets to dealing with stress and worry. Because in my role as the pastor, um, I don't know if you all know this or not, but you all have a lot of problems. (laughs) You do. And I... I truly embrace my role as the shepherd of, of grace covenant with, with great responsibility. So let me tell you how I survive every day. I, I, I can't carry your problem. And I say that facetiously. You know, you know, I love you all. But it's true. So, so let me tell you how I survive every day and the role that I'm in as I offload the issues and I remind God, God, these people are not my people, they're your people. Their problems are not my problems, they're your problems. What is it? It's prayer that's offloading the issue. Therefore, I don't have to worry. Listen, I go to bed at night and within somewhere between 15 seconds and 2 minutes I'm asleep. I don't have, I offload the and that's what prayer does. Here's the third thing that prayer does. I believe it's significant to offload in the package of loving. It's prayer opens the way for the peace of God to flood our minds. The peace of God that passes all understanding. How do we access that? I believe it's through prayer. It's through bringing the issues to the one who's able to take care of the issues. Listen, in every situation, each of us have a choice to make. Every situation, here's the choice. Will I worry or will I pray? Will I worry or will I... And, and if you're going to pray, then you don't have to worry. But well, basically, the summary that Paul says here is, you know, don't panic, pray. Don't worry. worship. Here's the, here's the third directive that Paul gives us to offload the baggage of worry, and it's this. Thank God in all things. Thank God in all things. Look back to verse 6. Again, Paul said, don't be anxious about anything But in everything, by prayer and petition, notice, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. But we we come with gratitude. You know, it's amazing what happens in our lives when we choose to give thanks, when we choose to live with an attitude of, of gratitude. Cultivating an attitude of gratitude helps you to focus on the good rather than giving place to the potential negative that might happen, but usually doesn't happen. But living with an attitude of gratitude. As I was thinking about this, I thought, you know, gratitude and worry are kind of like light and dark. Think with me for a minute. Gratitude and worry kind of like light and dark. How many of you know where there's a presence of light, there can be no darkness? Right? Right? Let's say there's a room that's like pitch black, dark. You walk into the room, you flip on the light switch. What happens to dark? It disappears. It goes away. It leaves. Why? Because there's the presence of light. It's light that overcomes darkness. In the same way, this is what I believe. I believe that it's gratitude that overcomes worry. It's gratitude that makes worry go away. When you consistently, continually choose to live with an attitude of gratitude, you're going to find how much less you worry in your life. Why? Because you've changed your focus from the negative to the positive. You know, presently in our immediate family, I'm, I'm living this principle out pretty much every day, sometimes several days a week. I think most of you know, nine months ago, my father had a massive stroke. Um, the good news is, is he's home. Um, the challenge is, is he's lost much of his mobility. And um, every day there's just uh, challenges that come with that. And my mom is, is the caregiver. Um, and so she's challenged and, and stressed with that. Not only is she the caregiver, but my mom's always had this tendency to worry. She's had this bent toward worry. Now, being 850 miles from uh, home in Arkansas, it's difficult because I can't be there to do all the things that I might possibly be able to do. So my role has kind of become the cheerleader. So I call my mom almost every day just to check in, mom, how's, how's things going? And consistently, pretty much every day, um, my mom is, is worrying because, I mean, the situation is quite complex and complicated. Um, but there, she kind of bends as again toward worry. And, and so I, I pretty much have my same speech I give all the time to my mom. It's this. First, mom, let me remind you, you, you can't focus on what you can't control. Only focus on what you can do. These things that's out of your control, don't dwell on those. What can you do today? And the second thing I do is, mom... Uh, Let's talk about the goodness of God. See, in our family, even though today we're walking through this challenge of my dad dealing with this physical disability, um, man, my family, as long as I remember from my grandfather to my father to myself to now my family, God has been so good to us. Man, God has been so gracious to my family. And so on the phone, I just began to recount with mom the blessings of God. And it's amazing every, every time. And this is almost a daily occurrence. It's amazing how the worry just begins to go away. Why? Because it's the gratitude that overcomes the worry. And it goes away. I think that's why Paul would say, give God thanks in all things. Because gratitude wins over worry. Here's the fourth thing, really quick. Think about the good things. Fourth way we, we offload the baggage of guilt is we think about the good things. Look back to Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, as Paul's summarizing this section. Notice what he says finally, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true. Whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about. Think about. Dwell on. Set your focus on such things. Listen, worry. worry is generated in our lives when we focus on and think about the wrong things. That degenerates, it creates worry in our lives. The battle, the the battle is in our brain. In other words, listen, the the, the struggle of worry is between your two ears. Right? The battle is where it's, it's in our brain. It is in our, it's in our thinking process. So let me give you a hypothetical situation. Here is how it works. You have a deep pain in your side. You don't think much about it. It's kind of uncomfortable. Um, Second day, the deep pain still there. So now you're starting to become a little concerned. You don't want to go to the doctor because um, that might cost some money and you don't want to do that. So what do you do? You go to the Internet and you type in intense pain in my side. Some of you have done this before, I'd say. So you know all about this. And up on the screen, here comes six like life-threatening illnesses that you might have because of that deep pain in your side. Now you begin to worry about what you might have and the possibilities of what might happen. We don't know if it's true, but my goodness, you've become your own doctor and the Internet has all the answers, Right? And you begin to focus upon all of the things that might happen connected to this deep pain in your side. Again, we don't know if it will happen. We don't even know if you really have an issue. But now you believe you have an issue because the internet told you you have an issue. And that has become the focus. And now, what? You're worrying. You're anxious. You're fretting. You're you're like all tied up in knots. Why? Wrong thinking. Wrong focus. I'm not saying you know when there's you know issues we should just deny the issues that you know the way over worry is is self denial. Isn't it amazing though how our minds can begin to focus on the wrong things and before we know it, man, we are upside down with worry. See what we must understand is that the war with worry is won or lost in our minds. In our minds. What you fill your mind with will determine the level of worry in your life. Listen, if you want peace of mind, then you have, you have to start controlling what you allow in your mind, and you have to start directing your thinking process. That's why Paul gives us this little eight-question eight test. That's what I think Philippians 4.8 says It's a little test for a thinking process. When there's an issue, there's a situation you're facing there's a thought that's passing through your mind, Paul says, you should kind of run it through this test. Eight question test. Is it true? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? If it's not, and it's feeding worry, then don't give place to that thinking. Basically, that's what Paul's telling us. Don't think about the bad things. Really set your focus on the good things. And as we focus on the good things, as we consistently program our mind to think about the good things, this is what I know. You will win the war with worry. Because what? The battle is in our minds, in our thinking process. That's why Paul says, think about the good things. So four steps. Four steps to offload the baggage. Refuse to worry about Anything, talk to God about everything, give God thanks in all things, and think about think about the good things. I leave you this morning with this quote from Henry Ward Beecher. He says, Every tomorrow has two handles. Your tomorrow, my tomorrow has two handles. We can take hold of it with a handle of anxiety, or we can take hold of it with a handle of faith. If you take hold of it with a handle, handle of anxiety, you're going to be robbed of joy. You're going to be weighted down and wore out in your life. Well, you made a choice. A handle of anxiety. On the other hand, if you take hold of it with a handle of faith, then this is what I'm confident of. You can live victorious in your life. You can offload the baggage of worry. Because when you live by faith, then this is what you're confident of. You're confident of that God is in your life, on your side, working for your good. Basically, that's what faith is God's for me, in my side. And if, if I truly believe that, if I truly believe that God is in my corner, on my side, He loves me outrageously, and He's working for my good, then why do I need to worry? If I'm going to take hold of tomorrow with with the handle of faith. So so what's the solution? The solution to the baggage of worry is, again, we want to take it to the cross. We want to offload our worry here to a God who's able to take the situation, your situation, whatever it is, so that you can travel light. And live free. Isn't that good news? But you pray with me this morning. Lord, I thank you today for the help that you bring in life. The hope we have in you. God, I thank you for the counsel of your word. The insight that you've given us about, Lord, how to process life. Because, Lord, here's the reality. Sometimes life gets challenging, Lord. It's not that we don't have issues. God, we do have issues. But, God, I thank you because of your presence in our lives. We don't have to be overwhelmed by worry, anxiety. We don't have to be tied up in knots. God, I thank you that we can live free, travel light, offload the baggage of worry to you. And Lord, that you're able. With every head bowed and eye closed this morning, I want to pray today for anyone who would be here would simply say, Wow, I have this tendency to worry. I I just I kind of have this bent. And actually, some of you even thought before you came today that you were born with a gene, a gene of worry. In other words, it's part of your DNA, and it's it's not. You've trained yourself to worry. But if that if that's you this morning, I wouldn't want to end this service without just praying that the Holy Spirit would help you take the principles, the word we've talked about today, and and really work it into your life. So if you're here this morning and you would just say, I, I have a tendency to worry. I, I get I get kind of anxious. Is that you would you just raise your hand? I, I want to pray for you really quick. In the balcony on the main floor. But today I, I pray for my friends who have hands lifted to You. Lord, just being honest in the assessment of their lives, Lord, about the reality of of this ongoing struggle. Lord, I pray today that they would be able to take, Lord, this passage of Scripture here in Philippians 4, 4 through 8, Lord, the truth of Your Word, and work it into their lives. Holy Spirit, I ask that You would help them take these principles and Lord, begin to work them in their lives, that they might win over worry, Lord, that they might be able to consistently, continually offload the baggage of worry, that they might live truly free in you. Oh, may they come to discover the the joy of, of just living life anxious, free. And Lord, every time there's this little thing that comes... Really, the lie of the enemy says, oh, here's something you need to worry about. God, may they be able to push it aside and say, no. I don't have to worry about that. I'm going to take that to God in prayer, and I'm going to leave it there. Lord, thanks. Thanks for your help, Lord, in our lives, for everyone here today, especially for those with hands lifted. Lord, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.